The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is green and gold history. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is A's Baseball. This is green and gold history. Feldy, how are you? I'm good, Tony. How are you? I can't tell you how happy and excited Commander Cody is for this list. Like he's, we've talked about, we we've both been just talking about how much fun this is going to be. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun to think back to these these springs and these breakout stars and guys that you you fall in love with in March, and then they make the big league team. Some of them, and you're like, why did we ever like this guy? <laughs> there there are many players like that. All right, so for green and gold history today, you want to switch it up. We're not going to be doing exactly a top ten. How do you want to do it? No, we're going to go chronologically. I just I just felt as I take to do. It's like when you're talking about guys who who ended up being bad. It's hard to rank. You don't want to rank bad guys. So we'll just go years starting in the uh, early '90s and kind of go go through guys who just caught everybody's eye and you thought they were going to be big players. And not quite. All righty. So you're starting in 1993. We're starting in '93, and I think to to preface this about spring, you mentioned it earlier. Don't believe what you see in the spring, and don't believe what you see in September. And I think to me the the cautionary tale, or the tale to always remember, is 1990 spring training Bob Welch. Right. This is a a pitcher with a, at this point going into the 90 season, an established veteran winning pitcher. All right, this is Bob Welch. Now the 1990 spring training, it's, it's shortened to three weeks because of something else you just mentioned with Pedro uh, Gomez is a lockout, which we don't want to see any of that anymore. But before the 90 season, it was a 45 day lockout and spring training ends up getting shortened to three weeks. But Bob Welch has the worst spring training you have ever seen a pitcher have. He threw 10 innings. He gave up 23 hits, 21 earned runs. That's an ERA of 17.72. He is brutal, just awful. But he's Bob Welch. You're going to let him go, right? He's one of your starters. So he starts game two of the season. And what happens to the first batter he faces? Dan Gladden gives up a home run. And everybody's like, it's over. Bob Welch is over. His career is done. We need to release him right now. Bob Welch ends 1990 by going 27 and six with a 2.95 ERA. Let me repeat that: 27 and six, and wins the Cy Young. And this coming off the worst spring training you've ever seen. So, as you said, don't believe everything you see in the spring. <laughs> no doubt. Next. So, now going to the other guys who you didn't want to believe. We'll start in 1993. The A's brought in 34-year-old. Rich Gedman. Right, this was a catcher on the 86 Red Sox. He's At this point, he's a 13-year veteran, a two-time AL All-Star. But the A's needed a left-handed hitting catcher. Uh, in 1992, that, that player was Jamie Quirk. But he retires after the 92 season. Before that, the A's had Ron Hassey. Uh, they needed a left-handed hitting catcher to go with Terry Steinbach. And Rich Gedman comes into the camp, and he plays outstanding. He hits 524. He's 11 for 21. He's pounding the ball. He's going to make the club. He's going to make the team. It's Rich Gedman, the former Red Sox. 
The A's go a different way. They decide they don't want a left-handed hitting catcher. They like Scott Heeman, who is a, an infielder, outfielder, catcher. He can play all the positions. He's got speed. He's a little stocky guy, but he has surprising power. Even though he's right-handed hitter, they're going to stick with Scott Heeman. Rich Kedman doesn't make the club. After this great spring, I remember all the stories about how this, you know, this veteran catcher, he's going to be the left-handed side of the platoon with Terry Steinbach. Doesn't work out for him. The A's just release him. Right? They don't even send him to AAA. They just release him. He ends up going to the Yankees AAA team and flames out after about a month. The A's knew what they were doing by not bringing up Rich Gedman because he had nothing left in the tank. Rich Gedman does not make the team after hitting 524 in the spring. Wow. <laughs> Look back at these decisions. It's hilarious. <laughs> All right, what else we got? So let's go to spring training 1995, which was the strangest spring training of all time, right? Because there's a strike going on. So it's time for the replacement players. Oh, God. And if you've seen the movie Major League, this was Major League in real life. These were guys coming into the camp, former police officers, former high school players, people who knows, maybe they were in the penal system at one point. Uh, the A's were just taking anybody. You had to fill up a replacement, and each player got $5,000 for the sprint. And if they ended up playing in actually in a regular season game, they were going to get another $5,000. For a lot of these players, they were going to take that check, right? Because they knew they weren't good enough to make the big league. And there were some other players who were down in a ball a long way, and they kind of got, I don't want to say roped into being replacement players. Guys would eventually make the majors, right? Guys like Damian Miller, Frank Manichino, Corey Lytle, Billy McMillan. Uh, they were replacing players in 95. But for the A's, they had a, a minor league outfielder who was at Modesto. He'd been there for a couple years, and he, he had figured that his career was over, that he was never going to move out of Modesto. But the $5,000 paycheck, he thinks this is pretty good. And he plays that entire spring in 95, hits 413, has nine walks. Now, again, it is against replacement pitchers as well, but he looks like a player. Right, And the A's, once the, the strike was settled, they gave contracts to 19 of the replacement players. They kept them in the system. Terrence Frazier, however, was not one of them. Even after having 413 and you know, there was even a televised replacement game because the, the replacement team came up to play the Bay Bridge series that year. This game was on TV. Terrence Frazier had a couple hits. Again, looking like a player. The A's do not offer him a contract. Terrence Frazier retires. He's only at 24 at this time. So what does he do? He takes his degree from Fresno State. He goes back to Fresno, becomes a real estate event investor, is now CEO of TFS Investment. He's an honored businessman, a father of five, president of the Central California Baseball Academy. This guy has had an amazing career in the business sector. And again, the A's knew what they were doing, not giving this guy a contract, and this guy has gone on to have a fantastic life. See, these are why we have to do these types of things here on A's Cast. Because certain people have been forgotten that have turned out to be greatness, even though it wasn't in baseball. Yeah, uh, amazing. A guy who gives back. Again, most of this, the, the Central California Baseball Academy is a, a nonprofit to, for the youth of the Central Valley to learn how to play ball. And Terrence Frazier started this and continues, continues with it doing great things. It's just, it really is one of those amazing stories of a guy who maybe could have hung on for a few more years, 
but he saw the writing on the wall that it wasn't going to happen for him, and he he made a great life decision. You know who also saw writing on the wall in 1995? Tell me. That would be Chris Townsend. Uh, <laughs> was my last year at San Jose State, where people were. That's when it's it's when independent ball first kind of started, and yeah. uh, I realized, you know what, five nine right hander. I think I'm going to start my broadcast career. <laughs> but let me ask you this. If they had asked you to be a replacement player, would you have done it? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? You're going to big league camp, right? Yeah. And, and didn't they <laughs> didn't didn't they have to, like, really pay these guys, too? They did. They get, it was $5,000 for each guy. Um, and they got all the, the big league amenities, you know, in spring training. They got housing. Um, you know, treated like a big leaguer. They played a whole spring training schedule that year. Um so for those guys who really didn't think they had much of a chance, I think you had to take that chance. Um, another player had a great spring for the A's was a guy by the name of Cash Beecham, whose dad was a big leaguer at one point. But, you know, he, he figured it was his closest he was going to get to the big leagues and give it a chance, and fortunately it didn't work out for him. You know, and I hope what younger fans are hearing here, where already a couple times you've talked about work stoppages, when we were growing up, it seemed like work stoppages ha- happened all the time. We've been very lucky in baseball that we haven't had one since the last big one, which destroyed the World Series. So we've been we've been very lucky. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned it to Pedro. You said I would think that with the amount of money that these guys would be smart enough not to take the game off the field. And I hate to be this guy, but those same things were being said in 1994. And it didn't stop a work stoppage from happening. So you would think people are smarter, but sometimes they just dig in and uh, they, they stop seeing the big picture and they take the game off the field. And it's just, I can't believe it happened then. I don't believe it will happen again, but history sometimes has a way of repeating itself. All righty, the next year? So we're going to go up to 1997. And if we were to rank somebody, this guy probably would have been number one. And that's Patrick Lennon. Patrick Lennon was this huge mountain of a man, huge. And the A's actually got him from the Kansas City Royals in 96. And their, their thought at the time was this was going to be our right-handed hitting DH in 1997. This was before the A's decided they were going to bring back Jose Canseco in 97. He kind of took that role. But Patrick Lennon starts the spring. How does he start it? Game one, Cactus League, three home runs. Talk about introducing yourself. Ends the spring hitting 349 with six bombs, 20 runs batted in in 27 games. And he's already kind of a folk legend because when he'd get on deck, he would swing a sledgehammer. He wasn't swinging a bat. He was swinging a sledgehammer to warm up. Patrick Lennon, he was huge. Uh, This was just, this was going to be the guy. But doesn't even make the roster to start the year, gets called up in May after the A's send down Ernie Young and basically does nothing. He shows no power at the big league level. He gets one home run for the A's. It was opposite field. That was his big problem. He couldn't pull the ball. Big, huge guy. Couldn't pull the ball at all. Looked great in the on-deck circle. Looked great in the uniform. Couldn't pull the ball. Ends up in Seiko. Eventually comes back from an injury. They need the roster spot. Patrick Lennon gets sent down. Shows up again with Toronto a couple years later. Hits one more major league home run, so he finishes his major league career with two. But 
you know, from that first game in spring, you thought the A's had found, you know, the next Geronimo Barroa, the next Matt Stairs type guy, somebody you never thought of, and he looked the part. And unfortunately for Patrick Lennon, just never worked out. I always loved when Dave Parker was with the A's and he would swing the sledgehammer. Yeah, that's where you know you're a grown man. You're swinging a sledgehammer when you're getting ready to go up and hit. Oh, yeah. I remember Frank Thomas in 2006 had the rebar on the on deck circle, <laughs> and he's swinging that big thing. And if you're a pitcher and you look over there and you see somebody swinging that, holy Moses, that's got to be scary. Oh, I'd, I'd be afraid to throw my back out. <laughs> Oh, Patrick Leonard. He was going to be. He was going to be the guy. He actually, you know, it's an interesting story too because as a younger player, he actually had some trouble with the law. He fired a, a gun in a bar. Um, there were some things about, you know, he spent some time in prison and he turned his life around and he makes it to the big leagues and fortunately just couldn't hit that big league pitching. Mm. Who do we got next? 2006. The A's brought in. A longtime minor leaguer for the A's. Now he's out of option, and it's a kid called Freddie Bynum. Uh, he was an A's draft pick in 2000. He went up the chain. Actually, had a cup of coffee with the A's at the end of 2005. Left-handed, swinging, middle infielder, uh, speed. Again, another guy who looks great in the uniform. He's out of option, so he's got to make the club. And he has a really good spring. He hits 373, six doubles, three triples. Goes yard once. Also steals six bases. This guy looks like a player. Now, this is a 2006 A's team that is going to go on to win the AL West. So they already had Mark Ellis at second, Bobby Crosby at short, Eric Chavez at third, and Marco Scudero is your backup infielder. So there's still one spot left. And Freddie Bynum, out of options, he's going to get that spot, right? No. The A's end up trading him as part of a three-team trade with the Rangers and the Cubs right at the end of spring training because they're going to keep a roster spot open for Antonio Perez. Antonio Perez came over with Milton Bradley in the trade with the Dodgers where the A's sent Andre Ethier to the Dodgers. But the A's opened this roster spot to keep Antonio Perez. He was out the entire spring, did not get a spring training at bat. But they kept the roster spot open for him and shift off, shift up, shifted off Freddie Bynum. And he ends up playing a little bit with the Cubs in 2006. Doesn't really stick, doesn't really show much. Plays a little bit with the Orioles in 07 and 08, but never really does anything. Has this great spring, and everybody, I remember, fans were excited. Freddie Bynum was finally going to get his chance to be on a big league roster. And they traded him away to make a spot for Antonio Perez, who does basically nothing in his limited time with the A's. It's never easy. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, 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 you think you got all the formulas and you think you got everything, and then uh, it's not easy being an executive. It really doesn't matter what sport. It's just not easy. No, and, you know, you had, I'm sure that was a tough situation, too, because here's a guy who's a, been a career minor leaguer, but he's been in your system. But you traded for Antonio Perez. And in, in 05 with the Dodgers, he showed some pretty good pop. He had 297. He had 13 doubles in limited playing time. And you thought, okay, this is the type of guy that can you know, fill in at third, fill in at second. But he didn't pan. He had 102 with the A's. Let me repeat that. 102. 10 for 98. 
that's, not good. That's not easy to do at 102. No. <laughs> 102. To get that many opportunities to hit 102. I mean, it was just like they're just begging them to make this choice seem right, right, to keep giving them playing time. Anyway, I don't know if Freddie Bynum would work out. Obviously, the chances he had with the Cubs and the Orioles, it didn't go well. But I would have loved to see Freddie Bynum get his chance with the A's. All right, who you got next? This one's going to hurt a lot of fans. But I'm sorry, it's true. It's 2007. This player, the A's, drafted in 2005 with the 36 overall pick. He was thought of a big part of the A's future. He has a great spring in 2007. He hits 339. Six doubles, a triple, a homer, nine walks to only seven strikeouts. This is going to be the future of the A's. This is Travis Buck. Travis Buck. Great spring. Everybody's behind him. He wins the starting right field job. He's going to be the A's right fielder. He's going to be the A's right fielder for the next six years. They're already planning the Travis Buck t-shirt day. And he just couldn't stay on the field. He was always hurt. And you're looking at his 2007 injuries, wrist, elbow, thumb, forearm, hamstring. Was there a part of the body he'd been hurt? And, you know, when he was on the field, he was actually okay. In the 82 games he got to play in 07, he hit 288 with seven home runs. He was, I mean, that's okay for a rookie, right? But, again, 2008, shin splints. 2009, left oblique. 2010, right oblique. Could never stay on the field, never fulfilled the promise. And what the A's saw in that spring of 2007, that's what they thought they were going to get. And it would have been fantastic if, if they did get that. Just never, ever happened because he couldn't stay on the field. Oh, T-Buck. So three years ago, I'm moving, okay? And when you move, you got to clean out a bunch of stuff. Well, in my garage, I had an area with all the A's giveaways that, that have accumulated over the year. And there was this backpack I can't remember. It was like the Pringles back-to-school backpack. And I looked in the backpack, and there in the backpack was the Travis Buck bobblehead. Yeah. And I don't remember. What, what is that, 08, 09 they had it somewhere around I think in there? It was, I believe it was 08 they had the Travis Buck bobblehead. I may need, I, I may need to de- – I've got so many, much of this stuff. Maybe we should start giving it away to people who will truly appreciate it. I just, you know, he really was a skilled baseball player. I remember Peter Gammon did a report on him in that spring of 07 about this is a future batting champion. And he had all the skills. I mean, he was, I mean, at that point, he was thought of higher than really where guys like Ryan Sweeney were and the A's traded uh, Nick Swisher because uh, they thought Travis Buck was, was that guy. He was going to be that solid outfielder and just – I mean, everything he could hurt on his body, he ended up hurting. I, it was just, it was injury after injury with him. Who do we have next? 2008 is actually a former Giants first round pick. In 2001, out of LSU, he's a switch hitting outfielder. Actually, got some time with the Giants between 03 and 07. Uh, but in before the 2008 season, he signs as a free agent. With the athletics. This is Todd Linden. Remember that name? Oh, yeah. So, always thought of as he was going to be the next big thing with the Giants and then with the A's. So, he goes to spring with the A's in 08. And what a spring he has. He has 586, 17 for 29, with three doubles 
and three triples. I mean, he just raked. Switch hitting outfielder. He's got a chance to make this club. Now, this was the 08 team that starts the season in Japan. First time the A's went to Japan. Uh, so you even get to take a couple extra players since you get a 28-man roster for those first two games. Todd Linden does not get invited to Japan, even after hitting 586. Instead, the A's keep Emil Brown, Chris Norfia, Ryan Sweeney, the before-mentioned Travis Buck, and Jeff Fiorentino even makes the club over Todd Linden. Uh, Linden is devastated, right? Here's a guy who's worked his way back. Right, he has a great spring. He should be making this club. Instead, he has to go to AAA, and good for him. He hits the ball well at AAA. He hits 333 with three homers after 23 games. And for whatever reason, the A's front office, they do not like Todd Linden because they release him after those 23 games even after putting up those stellar numbers all through spring and in the minors. And for Todd Linden, he spends more time in the minors. He goes to Japan. He even plays a year in the independent ball in Canada. Uh, gets another invite to giant spring training in the, in the early 2010 or 11 and just never makes it back. But for a guy to hit 586 on a team that has three extra roster spots and can't make the club, unreal. You even got a Swingles in there. Yeah, Ryan Sweeney. That's another, you know, the A's, the A's always held out hope for Ryan Sweeney, that he was going to be something more than he was, which was a singles-hitting, big, tall outfielder. I mean, just you, you would take a look at a guy, another guy in a uniform, a great uniform, looks like he should have this power, and all Ryan Sweeney did was hit opposite, opposite field single. Looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How many more do you got left? We got uh, four more to go. Uh, 2009. This guy goes to spring training, hits 379, two homers, four doubles, drives in 11 runs. This is an offensive force, right? Well, he would eventually make the majors, but not as a hitter. This is Sean Doolittle. Think about that. Sean Doolittle as a hitter. And he was the 41st, 41st overall draft pick in 2007 as a first baseman. And in 2008, combined today in AA, he had 22 homers, drove in 91 runs, has the great spring. He's going to be the guy to replace Derek Barton at first base for the A. Sean Doolittle is the guy. And then, of course, the knee injury happens, and that's it as for him as a hitter, works his way back up as a pitcher. But Sean Doolittle, what a spring he has, right? 379, this guy, he was going to be an offensive force. He was going to replace Derek Barton. Hard to believe. And I remember when you watch him take some hacks, you're like, God, he's got a really good swing. Yeah, that uh, – but I think it's worked out for him okay. Uh, life is good for Sean Doolittle, making the money and uh, winning a World Series. All right, the third one? This is Andy LaRoche in 2011. Uh, son of former pitcher Dave LaRoche, brother of Adam LaRoche, guy who played with the Dodgers and the Pirates, and actually pretty good in 09 with the Pirates with 12 homers and 29 doubles. Uh, but he had bad 2010. He signs with the A's as a free agent. And in the spring of 2011, hits 333 with four homers, three doubles, 13 RBI. Andy LaRoche forces his way on this A's roster. He's going to be the right handed hitting infielder. 40 games into the season, he's hitting 247 with no homers and five runs batted in. 
The A's acquire Scott Sizemore from the Tigers, and Andy LaRoche is no longer an athletic. <laughs> Number two. Colin Cowgill. Oh. Well, he makes the team in yeah. 2012. Another another team that's only in Japan. He was acquired from the Diamondbacks with Ryan Cook and Derek Parker uh, in the Breslow Cahill deal. And this is a, an athletic outfield. There's a pop and speed. Has a great spring in 2012. 396, four doubles, two triples, four steals. Makes the team. Makes the eight, makes his eighth debut in Japan. And then he just struggles the rest of the way. Right? He just he he's sent down. Uh, after two weeks in the big leagues, he called in May, injured his ankle, sat down again, hit the hall of 269 with only two doubles and three steals. Finally, the A's trade him to the Mets. Uh, Calgill makes his way back up with the Angels in a few years. And this spring, he's actually in camp with the Mariners. 34-year-old Colin Calgill is in camp with the Mariners this spring, and he's hitting 333. The pride of Kentucky. Nice. Yes, he was a big, he went to Kentucky, big Kentucky guy. You could always go to him and talk some college basketball, and he knew what he was talking about. And your last one. The last one comes from 2013, and it's Shane Peterson. And Shane Peterson was part of the Matt Holiday trade. Uh, after the A's traded Holiday to the Cardinals, they got in return Clayton Mortensen, Brett Wallace, and Shane Peterson. This is an outfielder with a, with a sweet swing. In spring of 2013, hits 408 with a homer, a triple, seven doubles. And this guy looks like the real thing. But he crowded outfield right that time for the A's. Cespedes, Coco Chris, Reddick, Chris Young, Seth Smith, Brandon Moss. No room for Shane Peterson, even after hitting 408. Uh, gets up for all of two games during the season. Uh, goes one for seven with a sack fly. Uh, again, hits 308 in 2014. With 90 runs batted in, but there's just no room. There's no room for Shane Peterson. Ends up playing with the Brewers and the Rays. But I remember that spring of 2013. This was going to be your future. Uh, but with veteran outfielders, Chris Young and Seth Smith, no room for Shane Peterson. What a great list. You did a really, really good job. This was a lot of fun. And I think we've talked about maybe next time we do top 10 opening day starters. Yeah, opening day starters. And obviously the A's have a. Have a maybe have a Hall of Famer on that list, maybe have a Cy Young Award winner. Uh, the A's have had some terrific opening day starters because you're talking about a franchise with just a tremendous history of starting pitching. Feldy, you're the best. We appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.